Hey guys, just wanted to jump in uh, before the episode started with a little bit of a trigger warning. This play does discuss themes of suicide and hangings. So I just wanted to let you guys know about that before starting the episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. I wonder what show we're looking at today. So don't forget to press play. Hello and welcome to Press Play the Podcast. The podcast where we replay so you don't have to... Hello, I'm Haley. I'm here with David and Maddie. I usually say Maddie and David, yeah. I feel like, so I just thought I'd switch it up. Um, but in- uh, not introduce yourself. I'll <laughs> say hi. I'm David. Hi, I'm Maddie. <laughs> Still. Still. Really? <laughs> Hasn't changed. Nope. Uh-huh. Not this week. Not this week. Maybe next. Maybe. Okay. We'll yep. see. Yeah. Um, today we are doing the play. Waiting for Godot. Yay! Wow. Wow. This is... uh, I want to say that this is like one of the most out there plays that we're going to be doing. Absurd, you might say. (laughs) I was trying to avoid (laughs) saying it, but like... (laughs) Because I, I was gonna that is something that it. some I was people gonna, may say. <laughs> I was gonna like get to it. I was like, when we discussed it, but I was <laughs> trying to subtly be like, it's it's a little bit quirky. <laughs> it's a little bit different. It's a bit weird. It's a bit uh, absurd. It's a bit weird, but bit. it's fun. Well, yeah. it's actually, that. it's a comedy. It's a tragedy. It's it's a tragic comedy. It's all the emotions. I love how now we're just saying the genres. Okay, so waiting for Godot. <laughs> We've skipped like the entire podcast and went straight to the end. <laughs> Thanks waiting for listening, for guys. That's it. Um, it's a play about existentialism. Uh, sorry, I thought I was going to pronounce that wrong, which is why it took me a second to say it. Um, and it's about two people, uh, but we'll get to that. Firstly, you two, what is your history with the play? I studied it in high school. Um, we studied it, I did an essay on it, and I did a forming task on it, and we watched adaptations of it. <laughs> I haven't oh. seen it, like, live, but I've watched... You see, you've done a lot on it, though. A lot. Um, and then in uni, I did another essay on it, and then I got a Waiting for Godot tattoo, <laughs> so oh, I'm, I'm kind of connected Maddie, to this play. Uh, in, on the YouTube, we'll, like, put a photo of Maddie's tattoo. Yeah. I basically have, like, a tree interpretation with, like, the boots and the hats, and it's really funky, and, yeah, it's because of Waiting for Godot. There's a tree in the play, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's a big <laughs> That's thing. a big thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so clearly I like this play enough to get it on my body forever. Um, I have studied it. Uh, in school, I studied the play, and I made my own adaptation of the play inspired by well obviously I'm inspired by Waiting for Godot and then also Peter Pan and I like combined oh, the two which was really so funky fun. because it's like that timeless like Neverland yeah. but then also Waiting for Godot that's so interesting um, that's so yeah fun. that's probably all that I've really done with the play I mean sort of briefly studied it in uni but not as much as you did Maddie <laughs> oh. yeah a big I um not as much as you in school. I did so in school. We got to ch- we were studying absurdism, and then we got to choose scenes to perform. I didn't choose Waiting for Godot. So like we looked at Waiting for Godot, but we didn't like study it. You know what I mean? Like it was more like she presented all the options that we could choose from, and then if we chose it, we like studied that play further. But the play that I chose, I didn't actually study further <laughs> because I was uh, in a very stressful part. This is the story I've I've told this story before to them. Where what? It's not a big story. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say when you had Galangela fever. No. 
Yeah, so Haley's out here studying. <laughs> no, I was just gonna waiting for Gatto in grade six. I was just. I was just going to say, this is the story, this is the time where I had another assessment that was really big um, with my scene partner and we both were only the two people in the entire grade doing that assessment and we didn't study, we didn't practice our lines at all and before our performance we like practiced and our teacher watched us and was like, oh my god, <laughs> like you two are going to fail. When we did the performance... And we nailed it. We got an A plus. I did a scene from a. Uh, I did a scene from All That Fall, which is another play from Samuel Beckett, um, which I d- discovered while researching this that it was actually a radio play. Oh, that's so oh, fun! Awesome. So I I performed a radio play. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that you had the choice to study Waiting for Godot, and you chose not to, and Bec- that's your experience with Waiting for Godot. T- yeah, because two other people in the class were doing scenes from Waiting for Godot. And I, so we were not be, be a bandwagon. We weren't yeah. to be different. No, because they were doing the same scene. What scene was it? Um, it was the one where. Oh, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I remember. That's okay. I was about to be like he's checking his hat, but then <laughs> that's just throughout the play. Yeah, look, that happens. <laughs> that's, a bit. that's not like defining. <laughs> um, I don't quite remember, but it was it was a comical part of the play. I do remember oh, that. Fun. Uh, yeah. Um. But yeah, that's kind of my like. I looked at it, but not hev- like not like in depth. Yeah. But I know the story and all Good. that, and I've done an essay on it for a uni assessment. Haley and I did the same essay. And we I didn't know. Even realize. We, we, rea- we didn't, know, we each didn't know each other back then. <laughs> we realized that not only did we do the same essay, like we picked the same plays. We picked the same plays and the same topic, because <laughs> like you could pick like two plays and a topic, and we <laughs> the exact same. We Look, were meant to be friends. Great minds think alike. Yeah. Sorry, David. Ouch. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> okay. so let's get into uh, who this play was written by. I was the playwright. I uh, no. <laughs> what are you? No, I was. But re- she didn't want to read the play. <laughs> she was like, I, wrote I it. Was re- don't want to study it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because I wrote it. So, like, why would you I know need everything to study about it? it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't study it, but I studied the playwright for this week. And the playwright is none other than Sam- Samuel Beckett. I'm saying that right, am I? Yeah. Yeah, Sam- Samuel Beckett. So Samuel Beckett, uh, he, uh, you know, our boy Samuel. 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 I feel like, like it's going to be one of those words when you say it like a lot of times, it doesn't feel like a word. Samuel. Sam. Yeah, can I call him Sam? Yeah. Okay, Sam. <laughs> I've decided on behalf of Samuel Beckett. Please, if you were doing an essay or, or, or like talking to someone about Samuel, Sammy don't B. say Sam. In my research, though, I did stumble across a website that was like, Sam did this, Sam did, and I was so confused. You did not know was, him well Do you well think enough. he was called Sam back in the day? I mean, I don't know if Samuel's are, maybe. 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 Maybe that's something you ponder in an essay if you're... <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's your essay question. Was Samuel called Sam? (laughs) (laughs) That's the the thesis. Okay, (laughs) so he was born in Dublin on the 13th of April, 1906. It's not your birthday. Well, (laughs) I would say it's a few, like, (laughs) a few decades before his birthday. Yeah, it's like a week off. Yeah, a week and, like, a couple (laughs) hundred years. A week. Yeah, a week and a couple hundred years. For, rec- couple for the hundred. record. Oh, yeah, not a couple hundred. Not a couple hundred. hundred. <laughs> Jeez, this man wasn't born. He died in, like, 1989. Oh. <laughs> like, 
a week in like a maybe, few decades. I like was right. A week in yeah, like seventy years. So is no, he, he's like basically your twin flame. No, like like um, actually like a hundred years. He was born in nineteen oh six. Oh wow. Oh, I thought he was born in like nineteen. 19- Oh six. Yeah, that makes sense. So he's he was he's about a hundred years older than me. <coughs> Not Aww. exactly, but about. Do you feel connected to him? One week and ninety <laughs> five years. Or ninety six or ninety four. Who knows? Who knows? But also for for the record, for anyone who's wondering, my birthday <laughs> is the sixth of April. So that yeah. Sixth of April. What year, David? 13th of April, 2001. Uh. Now you know everything about David. You can hack into yes. everything. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I don't think birthdays are as important. Not. They used to be like, don't share your birthday. But now... Really? Yeah. Don't you share, share your birthday? Oh, like on online things. Like it used to be like, don't share your birthday because they use your you birthday for a lot of things. Oh, yeah. But now, so now it's celebrate like... Celebrate your birthday on a different day so no one finds out. But um, <laughs> maybe that's I what you've been doing the whole time with us. Yeah, maybe it's your birthday today. On a different day. My Facebook used to be wrong. Where are the presents? I am your present. You're my you presents. <laughs> anyway, so this guy, this guy was a smart guy. Let's just put that out there. He was an intelligent man. So the Beckets, uh, they were pretty well off. Their house had a tennis court. Oh, mm. I want a tennis. I don't really. Do you? I don't. I, w- I don't know. I like I don't tennis I courts. I feel like I would. You would want a tennis court. In your I would come over and play. Yeah, but then I'd yeah. Leave. You can ha- you <laughs> can have one. a tennis court so that we can come over. Like I don't want a yeah. tennis court. But Haley and I can have a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Well, no, he can be in the cul-de-sac. Am I not allowed oh, yeah, no, on the cul-de-sac, cul-de-sac if I have a tennis but court? But you have to have the big house. Then By the way, the we have a plan court. that um oh, we're yeah. all gonna end up in a cul-de-sac. I want a together. big pool, like an underground. <laughs> I, I don't want a pool. Too much effort to clean. Okay, so you have an indoor pool. By the way, everyone, I am. I've decided I'm gonna be rich. But oh, like not have. not crazy rich, like rich enough. rich to a point where I can afford a nice house and some luxuries, but not rich to the point where I'm a person. Yeah. Oh, where I'm a bad person. It's a, I can bleep it out. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I not do. rich to the point where I'm hoarding all of my money. No, I just want to pull an alcohol on tap. rich to the point where tap. I can afford s- a yeah. bit of luxury. <laughs> we know someone who has alcohol on tap in their house. All and it's I want. Like amazing. What's your luxury item going to be then? Because Dave a and I have pools. A music studio. Oh, yes. I really, really want a music slash gaming studio. a library. I've always wanted a cinema. That too. That too. I don't want a cinema. <laughs> I want a cinema. Or like an arcade if room. Hayley, no. If Maddie was on the block. She'd make a cinema. She would make I a would. cinema room. I would do a cinema room. But see, I'd do a cool one. Not we were, like a... No, see, we, were watching the we were watching together. the block together. And <laughs> you were like, I don't sorry. know who would make a cinema okay. room. Well, everyone was making a cinema room. We like you we could make. There was like a spare room, and you could make anything you wanted oh, with the room. It was like you room. can do whatever you want with it, and everyone, bar like one couple, did a cinema room, and it was just like, <laughs> and they did exciting. like an extra bathroom. It was like a spa, but it just turned into a bathroom in the end. Oh. In my opinion, because but it had all of the things. We in would the make an underground library. Library's kind of funky. And yeah, we like a piano. Oh yeah, and and storage. Really We'd make an nice. underground li- library with bookshelf yeah, with doors. Like, yeah, like a book, sh- a secret bookshelf door. That would be so kind of fun. Well, not like fully secret, but just like hidden. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, and, it's and then storage. it goes through to storage. It could be Inkscape's office. No, <laughs> it could be. Could be. We could. Anyway, if, so if we ever have a library, guys, um, in our building, 
maybe have a little gander. Look around. You might find a secret door. That'll be the cul-de-sac. It'll be my house, Haley's house, your house, Inscape's house. Oh, yes. I love that. Look at the house. Also, I don't know if you'd be on board with this, David, but do you remember, Maddie, when I sent you the TikTok of the children, like, having the gates connected and the kids yeah. would just run over? So, basically, oh, that's cute. They, 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 they were, like, best friends. They were neighbours. Well, your kids can run over to my place anytime. I will give them all You'll of like the cool treats. you cool Uncle David. All you of the be. different things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be the cutest. I feel like they'll love me. And then... They will. When they're mad at you guys for not... For being parents yeah. and doing I the mean, whole, like, fair. you like, have cool. to stick by these rules and stuff. And then I'll be like, come over to me. Come over <laughs> David's <laughs> good cop. <laughs> no, but I feel like we'll be... I mean, like, uh, yeah, you like are going to, like, get annoyed with your parents every night. Good parents. Yeah. But, like, like yeah, it happens. And parents have to... Like, there have to be, be rules. There have to be, yeah. But I... As an external person, I don't have to enforce those rules. So, I'm so excited for our cold. I know. <laughs> I think it's going to be good. I really hope it happens. It will. It will. I kind of hope it does too. We'll invest in I it. I think we could make it happen. We could have a cul-de-sac. I like a cul-de-sac. I really do. Anyway, we've spent. <laughs> this is meant to be about Sam, and we. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> there was a lot. I feel like tangents are good, but that was a <laughs> that long. That was like tangent. that was just like our dream home. <laughs> Edit something from that, but I don't know what you're going to get. I don't from know. That. If I, I don't know if I'll have the whole thing. I think maybe Please I'll. Please no. Like, probably not the whole thing. That no. might be a lot. Um, okay. but that's hilarious. So where was I in my Sam? <laughs> like, oh, he was name. well off. He was because <laughs> he had his. We said his court. name, and then he's well off, and then his parents had a tennis court. And we were like tennis courts. <laughs> they were well off because they were with the, the, the church. They were with the um, Church of Ireland. Did you know? I didn't know about this. Ireland has like a whole history with like Catholic oh, yeah. like control and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a big like, thing. But like also it's a recent thing. Like it's not like – it's not like – like that dated. It's not that dated. No. It's like it's crazy, hey. It is crazy. I feel like Ireland seems very Catholic in my they are in my very brain. Catholic. Like they are. I not su- like I knew that it was a thing. I didn't know when, but I'm not surprised that it was a recent thing because like in my brain it feels very Catholic. Anyway, the yeah, so he was raised Anglican, but like spoiler alert he became agnostic he was in ireland but uh he got out of there and traveled to london france germany he studied got his bachelor's degree he was a novelist playwright short story writer theater director poet and literary literary translator this man had credits what does a literary translator do translate literature he was like a translator for for literature. Literature. Oh, okay. So, so like, like, this book is in French. Oh, Let me translate it to Irish. <laughs> the, yeah, so he he studied a lot. Um, He was a professor at one point. He, you know, he's a smart man. Um, But then he decided to settle down in France after, like, traveling a whole bunch and uh, World War Two. Uh, a lot of these playwrights are in World War Two. Like, they're in the time. Mm. I guess it makes sense. We are like, doing, like, the classica. No, I, but I think I was going to say it makes sense as like war and then from that writing massive creation, like such a mm. big, sad thing. And then from that human expression. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Beckett, uh, our man, he joined the French resistance. Resistance. The resistance. Uh, in which he worked as a courier. Yes. Thank you. Which if you don't know, because uh, I just learned like two seconds ago, it's a male voice. 
But <laughs> no, he was like he he passed information to the English about uh, the German soldiers and what they were doing, you know, what they were up to. But then they were betrayed. The resistance was I shouldn't say it like that. The resistance was betrayed. Um and uh it was discovered and people were captured so he went into hiding in like an unoccupied zone of France um until the liberation of the country and and so he like from that point on he was kind of a private man um he was just like an agricultural la- laborer for that period he wrote some stuff um but once like the war ended and all that his stuff began to become really popular like his plays and stuff was getting recognized around the world and they'd be like do this interview do this radio thing do this thing and he didn't want to he was a very private man like he wasn't really there for like publicity and stuff um like he received a nobel prize for literature little clap wow (laughs) very claps very claps um but he he accepted the award the award but the declined the trip to go and do the speech <laughs> he was like i don't want to oh. i don't want to do a speech yeah um yeah it's a pretty impressive man he died on the 22nd of december in 1989 like a few months after his wife um and he they suspect it was from i don't know how to say this word and emphysema which is like emphysema. a lung oh cool it's a lung breathing uh like shortness of breath kind of disease and possibly parkinson's and yes and that's that's sammy boy you know that's our man our main man who wrote oh his other plays sorry his other plays like that are well known include what um and all that for but he wrote more. I yeah, just feel like those has, are the he most. He has quite cool. a few. Plays. He has quite a few. I just feel like those were the most. They were like the top well known. Godot oh, is the okay. most well known. But yeah. Okay. According to the slides I found. According to Google. According, <laughs> according to Dr. Google. <laughs> Dr. Google. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you heard it here first. Or at least second because you heard it on Google first. Fine. Yeah, do your research, kids. So that was like a short summary of his life. But in terms of what he was doing while wa- he was writing Waiting for Godot, David, our historical context man for the week. Ooh, okay. So first off, I just want to do a little preface and say that Beckett wanted his audiences to see the play without allowing their interpretations to be impacted by considerations of the social con- of the social context. However, every play is impacted by and can be contextualized through knowledge of the playwright and circumstances of the society in which it was written. So, with that said, this play was written between October 1948 and January 1949. When it was first finished, it was rejected by a number of publishers before finally being published in 1952. Damn. Uh, And it was from there first produced in 1953. The play was originally written in French, and Beckett, being a translator, translated it to English himself. Beckett said, I began to write Godot as a relaxation to get away from the awful prose I was writing at the time. And the play was written about three years after the end of World War II, which a lot of scholars think could have had a major influence for Beckett when he was writing the play. 
with German forces invading France during the war. You said already, Haley, but Beckett united with the resistance fighters, sharing information on military on German military movements with England. Super spy. Both, <laughs> and so that meant that both during and after the war, Beckett was able to witness the brutality of the war firsthand. There's also a good chance that Beckett was inspired by the play Berenice by Jean Racine, who was a French playwright that Beckett studied around the time of writing Waiting for Godot. Racine was focused on creating undramatic yet interesting drama, writing plays with predetermined endings, mundane dialogue, and non-vivid development. On top of that, some discourse would say that the play took inspiration from... Sutter's No Exit and Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. While the play was well received in France, in its American and British debuts received some tough criticism. Although, of course, that changed as the play is now highly regarded, well known, and commonly studied. In 1999, Waiting for Godot was deemed the most significant English language play of the 20th century through a vote conducted by the British Rash- British Royal National Theatre. Oh. But on the flip side of that, Beckett was also very strict about his play and didn't allow for anything that steered away from the exact image that he had created. An example of this is him suing a Dutch theatre company in 1988 for casting a woman in the play as he didn't want to take away from the play's masculinity. Okay. Oof. Okay. Now that he's dead, this responsibility <laughs> has been passed. <laughs> <laughs> now that he's dead, so he's we dead, can do what women we want. do no, whatever they want. We can't do what we want. <gasps> we oh, can't? No. Oh, well. So he's dead. Wait. This responsibility has been passed on to his nephew. And his nephew has continued to be just as strict with its production. I have a like confession with the productions to make. of the play. I have a confession to make. In school, the scenes were done by women. Oh, uh, okay. that's like illegal. <laughs> that like that actually is, which is like crazy. But you, I mean, maybe there's some sort of technicalities around. Like I know education. that education is slightly different, but you c- like maybe I should take that out allow <laughs> so that they don't. S- you don't know what school I went to. It's very easy to find out where someone went to school. But yeah, but so due to copyright issues, women and, and non-binary people won't be able to perform in the play until 70 years after Samuel's death, which will be in 2059. Jeez. I... Has there literally like? Are you sure we can find? I w- I want to see if we could find a version where no. other than a school version. I was doing some research and there's one group that because there w- there's been multiple people who have tried and been sued and been shut down and it, like has never gone ahead. And then th- I think there's one group as well that was like really pushing for it. It got shut down, but they were like pushing really hard and they were like, and it was this whole thing a couple of years ago. Um, there was also someone who wanted to do it with Maggie Smith um, in in Waiting for Godot and apparently mentioned it to Maggie Smith while just like at a dinner and Maggie Smith just laughed and just kept on laughing because it's just like that absurd of an idea because it's just uh-huh. not allowed. Absurd. <laughs> yeah. 
But like, it's just wow. like, there's I'm no shocked. way that it can did, be done. I have no idea about I had that. No idea. Unless the Maddie, unless did you perform in it? In no. School? Oh, so no. Did females perform in it? In yes. School? Yeah. Because it was like a directing thing. Well, yeah, we of course. It. it was like a like. Yeah. I directly had like yeah. two I'm guys. I'm not sure in my like class. what the technicalities are around education, but maybe it we is a thing. <laughs> and um, like it it depends on it could that could be changed before 2059 if Samuel Beckett's nephew decides to change it because he has the Ooh. the power Aww. and control How and he's been the one who's because he yeah. inherited Beckett's estate Whoa. and all of that so with that he has the right to and he's just decided to continue Beckett's legacy of ensuring that the play is performed in the exact same way as it was originally. So he's probably not going to change his mind. So he probably won't because no. there was and there was a whole discourse about um him honoring Beckett's decision in that like mm. well if his duty I guess as the person who has those like who holds that power and those rights now is to ensure that Beckett's wish is maintained. Yeah. But then also like it is up to him. I found if I found Edward Beckett's he doesn't look like the sort of guy who's gonna really? change his mind. I don't know. Oh. I can How just, old like, does he look? No, he's not changing his mind. <laughs> no. Fatty took one look and was like, <laughs> "Yeah, no, absolutely not. No. He's not changing his mind." Damn, that's so. Not until twenty fifty nine when it goes into Creative Commons. Is that that is inherently sex? I don't know. Is that I don't know. <sighs> I, I don't think like so. it. No, yeah, like I find it sexist. And I don't like it, but <sighs> no, I think it is. It's yeah. I'm I'm trying to justify and I can't. No. Gender is a construct. Like I, can't I, I know that's it. like I know that's like. The, not the thought back in the day. I don't. But I know a lot of the themes of Waiting for God, and I love it. But I wouldn't say masculinity is one. No. What? I really wouldn't. I. Mm. I don't think I would have liked play as much as I do if I, like, was taught it was like this is a masculine. This play. is a play for only That's men. Not the main yeah. themes of it at all. No, it's it's not. But it's just I like I think Beckett wanted to be like yes, it has to maintain the masculinity that it does have I'm which really is I guess a gross male cast thing I'm really disappointed by that yeah I too I feel the same way when I found out about like JK Rowling like yeah like just You're so like, disappointed I, like, I liked this art but I'm so disappointed like in you humans. yeah death of the author it's a thing in literature this is yeah. interesting this is literature literary the- a theory which is what he studied um death of the author is a big thing it's about it's about studying like looking at after an author dies, how will an audience interpret it? Or even after an, or, uh, an author publishes it, they have no control of how an audience will take it, take the story, and then, like, it's like when, <laughs> in, a, in a funny way, it's kind of like when the teacher is like, the door was blue. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. When the author was just like, I like blue doors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Disappointed, Sam. <laughs> Disappointed and surprised. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, he did want his plays... Like, he, he didn't want his plays to be considered through the lens of who he is and yeah. the context of the time, which, I don't know. I don't think mm. that works, though. Like, I get... Yeah, I don't like it. I get what he's saying, doesn't see who he is, but he... Oh, is I don't think that's that's 
oh, I wasn't linking that to like why females can't. Like no, that no, was no, not. I, I know, but that if that's his point. excuse. Mm. Then like it's not. Oh, I don't. I don't think that's his excuse. That's just something he wanted, and then the I females mean, not being allowed in it was a separate issue. I like guess that's thing. like not really something that was as scandalous back in the nineteen. No, whatevers. back then it was like oh fair. I was like ah yeah no females. Yeah, nineteen fifties. Fifties, yeah. <laughs> and sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties. And the noughties. <laughs> and the tens. And the twenties? Are well, we getting somewhere now? We're slowly. Well, we're, we're only at the start of the twenties. The but other thing so is, far. like, different parts of the world. Like, different parts of the world are way more progressive yeah. than other parts of the yeah. world. There is still so much, so much sexism in other oh parts God, of the world. this is the 20s. I know. This is, this is the, like, the, the, that was, like, the whole thing with the pandemic. We're like, oh, we're going to go through our depression, and then we're going to, like, go. Yeah, this is the 20s. Like, when I think 1920, I'm like, ugh, so long ago. Like, 20 seems so far away. Because it's the very start of a century. Like, a. Repeats itself. Wow. There was a... So we're going to have some speakeasies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, do you know what I mean? Like, think about, like, our great-grandkids being like, oh, yeah, she was born in, like, the 20s. We weren't born in the 20s. No, not us, <laughs> but, like, their mum or something. I don't know. Like, being like, yeah, my nan was born in the 20s. We're weirder. We were born in the thousands. That's old. That, that is, like, like, that, like, we're, we've surpassed a whole century. Like, we are at the beginning of a century. Of a... Of not only yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy. That was really interesting. I had no that idea. Was very interesting. And I'm disappointed in Sam. Yeah, I'm sorry, Sam. That was not good enough. So the play is about <laughs> <laughs> Maddie. What what actually happens in this play? Like this play of existentialism. Yeah. Let the people know. <laughs> Drags out a bit. Let so get get ready, guys. Get some popcorn. Yeah. It's really entire sin. <laughs> Some wild it is stuff when you happens. watch. I feel <laughs> I even think it even is when even you read reading it. it. Reading it, but I do yeah. know, and I will preface. I'm going to explain this plot as someone who really loves the play, and I'm trying. I'm trying to be neutral, but there's a lot of people that will be like, "This, then this happens, and then this happens," because it is one of those plays that not everyone loves. If you don't explain, no shame. Like I don't. It like, can it is, be kind of draggy. It, I get that. It is absurdism. Absurdism is kind of the wackier side of theatre. That's a bit more like. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone. No. Like, I remember in school, some people being like, what is this? Yeah. And some people being like, whoa, this is incredible. I was one of the incredible ones. But also, yeah, with, with that in mind, I feel like a lot of people take Waiting for Godot very seriously. Mm. And it's kind of clowny. Yeah. Like, it's very slapstick. Mm-hmm. It's very... I will say, I'm not the biggest fan of absurdism, and I like this play. Yeah. Because it's not... It's very intriguing in the way it's it comedy. It, it is it is comedy. It's really it's really fun, even though they're senselessly kind of doing stuff. It's like but it's yeah. so fun. I mean, like Engaging. like I was I was saying before, Beckett wrote this as like a change from like his regular prose that he was writing because mm. he wanted to get away from like that side of things. Yeah. Okay, Maddie, what okay. happened? So we've got the characters. There is only five characters in this play. All men, as we know. Um, so there's Vladimir and Estragon. 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 I thought you were about to say estrogen. I was like, well, <laughs> actually, when I learned about it, it was like around the same time we learned in science about estrogen. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it really messed with my head. Just named the 70s. 
saying? <laughs> yeah, it messed with my head. I was Maybe like it has something to do with the masculinity. Oh. No, sorry. Uh, that was. But like this a, was also was around like the same time. At Samuel Beckett. Mm. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um. So there's yeah. There's Vladimir and Estra- Estragon. Oh my God, Estragon. Um. Two trampity tramps. Um. So. Um, Vladimir is like the more responsible, mature one. Kind of switched on. Estragon is a little bit more like helpless and a bit, a bit clueless, a bit like you know, the nicest way possible. They balance each other out. I think. Did you just get excited when she said clueless, David? I like clueless. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> it's a she nice was describing movie. a character, and you like the movie clueless. <laughs> clueless? <laughs> and something kind of important is that. Um, Estragon has like a terrible memory. So Vladimir just constantly is reminding him things because he's forgetting everything that's happening. And then there's Pozzo, who you'll see. <laughs> and then there's Lucky, who's Pozzo's slave. And then there's the boy, who basically just keeps informing them things. And then there's Gotto, who we never see. Spoiler alert. Ooh. Okay. So we're on a country road with a single tree. The tree. The tree. A- image of Maddie's tattoo now. The tree on my tricep. I mean, mine's an interpretation of it, but my tree. Um, so Estragon is trying to pull off his boot. Doesn't happen. Nah. So Vladimir enters and greets him. And he's like, I just spent the night in the ditch. I got beaten. <laughs> and Estragon is like, yay, I got my boot on. <laughs> yeah, that's how it starts. It is. Yeah. And then he looks inside to see if there's anything in there. And Vladimir is like, huh. I'm going to do the same thing with my hat. So they're just looking inside their clothing items. <laughs> and then Vladimir is like, there's two thieves who were crucified next to Christ. Did you know that? And Estragon is like, yeah. Do you know the Gospels? <laughs> <laughs> do you even know? <laughs> and they start talking about the Gospels. So then Estragon gives a short description of the maps of the Holy Land, at which point Vladimir tells him he should have just been a poet. <laughs> they're just talking. Um, so Estragon then points to his tattered clothes and he's like, I was a poet. Oh. <laughs> That's why I look like this. Indeed. Starving artist. <laughs> um, and then Vladimir is like, okay, I'm going to continue with my story about the thieves. So he tells the rest of the story about the thieves. And then Estragon's like, yeah, do you want to get out of here? And Vladimir's like, uh-uh, we're going to stay because we're waiting for Gotto. They're waiting for Gotto, who's this man. That's why they're both at the tree. Um... Neither of them know when Gotto's going to appear, if they're even at the right tree. Yeah, we find out that at the end, they're waiting for so long and Gotto never arrives, but they kind of forget why they're waiting for him at the end. They're like, we don't even know what we wanted from this man. <laughs> we just Wait, is Gotto confirmed? Like, we don't know what, what Gotto is. There is a lot of like, theories about it. A lot of people think that Waiting for Gotto is a really religious play. Yeah, they think and Gotto is Gotto God. is God. Well, yeah, a play making religious commentary. Yeah. yeah. And, like, it does make commentary throughout it, but you don't. it doesn't have to be viewed. It, people view this play in a lot of different ways. And that's the point of it. There's a lot of different yeah. interpretations. But, um, like, a big interpretation is that it's almost making commentary on how religion is. We're kind of waiting. We're for waiting God and waiting. Yeah. But will we see God? It's never will gonna ever, come. Like, will yeah, God? Like, what are you? And then they like, yeah. What even is the reason that you're waiting for God? So then Estragon is like, this is really boring. How about we just hang ourselves? It's just on the tree, and they're like, ah, that's a good idea. And you were like, I'll get that tree tattooed. <laughs> When I was, like, studying the plot again for this, because I did a lot with it, so, like, I knew the whole story, but I was like, <laughs> what? 
like I just laughed all over again reading it again. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? The heck. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Um, yeah, and so they're like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then they're like, wait, hold on. If one of us dies, the other one's just alone waiting for Godot. We can't have that. Uh-uh. And so they're like, never mind. We'll wait till Godot arrives. Then we'll hang ourselves. Silly us. Yeah. Um, and then Estragon asks Vladimir whether they have rights. And then Vladimir's like, no, nah, we kind of got rid of those. So that's a thing. <laughs> I don't really know what they were referring to in that. Like, I remember reading it the first time and being like, huh? That's just a lot of a play. Uh-huh. Um, and then he's like, I think I heard something. It was just imaginary noises. And Vladimir's like, here's a carrot. They eat carrots. Woo. Then Pozzo and Lucky arrive. So Lucky has a rope tied around his neck and he's carrying a stool, a basket, a bag and a great coat. I have the coat on my tree. Pozzo carries a whip, which he uses to control Lucky. Slave vibes. Not fun. Estragon immediately is confused. Oh, he confuses Pozzo with Godo. And so he's like, Godo, you arrived! And Pozzo's like, nah, wrong person, bro. Sorry. <laughs> Not me. Can't be me. And then Pozzo, like, is ordering Lucky around. Lucky's completely silent and obeys. I remember that being really fun with, like, slapstick and stuff in it. So yeah. fun, Pozzo mm. and Lucky. Um, that was heightened clowning. Yeah. It was so fun. Um, so Pozzo has Lucky put down the stool and opens a basket of food which contains chicken. They eat the chicken and throw away the bones. And then Lucky stands in a stooped posture holding the bags after each command has been completed and appears to be falling asleep. And then Estragon and Vladimir are like, what is going over over there? Bloody weirdos. And so they go to like have a look. And they're like, um, you have your bags. You've been holding them the whole time. Why? And Pozo's like, we're not going to tell you. So Estragon is like, if we can have the chicken bones that you've thrown away. Hmm? Oh, yeah. He's like, can I have the chicken bones that you've thrown away? And then I won't ask you anymore. I'm just really hungry. And they ask. And yeah, giving them. How exciting. Doesn't ask again. And then Pozzo eventually tells them why. They're like, yeah, okay. I'll tell you anyways. It's great. Nice little trade. Um, and he thinks that it's because that Lucky's afraid of being given away. And Pozzo tells them why Lucky continues to carry the bags. Lucky begins to weep. Estragon wipes away the tears, but then gets kicked in the shin. It's just it's just a lot of stuff happening. Mm. Um, Pozzo then tells them that him and Lucky have been together for nearly 60 years 60 years of that. Whatever it is. Weird slavery. I think they say, like, I think one of the interpretations of those two is that it's like a representational class. Oh, that's smart. That's what we looked at it as in school. It was like a, the poor and the rich. And like yeah. the rich feeding off the poor. That makes sense. And getting richer because of the poor. Um, and then Vladimir is like, oh my God, you've been dealing with this for 60 years. Like you're such a good servant and you get treated like this. And Pozzo's like, yeah, but he's kind of a burden. Like, kind of not a fan. Um, Vladimir then yells at Lucky and is like, this is appalling. Like, he's such a good master. What are you doing? Um, Then they just talk about the night sky. They're just chit-chatting. They dance. Just dancing, dancing, dancing. Um, So then they just start talking about religious and political views. And they wrestle to get Lucky's hat off. I have the hat on my tree as well. Um, And then the last word in that whole argument is unfinished, which you could argue is just 
a representation of the entire play. Unfinished. That's just the last thing he says. Which is kind of funky. Um, so then they're like trying to get Lucky awake um, after the whole wrestle thing. Whack. Um, and then the young boy arrives. The young boy is kind of key in both acts. There's two acts, by the way. Um, so he arrives and he's like, I've been sent by Godo. And Estragon is like, you took way too long. What the heck? And the boy is like, yeah, sorry, look, this is the first time I've ever met you guys. And they were like, oh, okay, all good. Uh-huh. And he was like, Godo won't be coming today, but maybe tomorrow. We'll see. And then they're like, okay, we'll tell Godo that you've seen us. Uh-huh. And that's the end of Act 1. Act 2. So basically just a whole lot of, you know, passing time. <laughs> a whole lot of it. And then Act 2, the same day. No, the next day, the same time. Um, so Estragon's boots and Lucky's hat are still on stage. They're like big little symbols in this thing. Big little? Yeah. Um, Vladimir appears and starts to sing until Estragon shows up barefoot. Estragon's upset that Vladimir was singing and happy even though he was not there. They do everything together. It's really cute. Um, they both admit that they feel better when alone but convince themselves that they're happier when together. But they're still going to wait for Godot together. Estragon and Vladimir then poetically talk about all the dead voices they've been hearing. They're haunted by the voices and the sounds of the nature. And it's basically just the leaves rustling and stuff like that. And they think it's really dramatic. Um, Vladimir shouts at Estragon to help him not hear the voices anymore. And Estragon tries and finally decides that they should ask each other questions. Just 21 questions back in the day. 21 questions. Yep. <laughs> they were like, let's play. <laughs> 21? I play, I 20 questions. Wow, it was 21. No, it was 20 questions. Maybe the twenty, the first one was, do you want to play 21 questions? And then you ask 20. I think that might have been how it went. I, don't I just remember doing it in the car. And like as a kid, I always had to like count on my hands, like how many questions, like so one fun. question, two question. Oh, that's so fun. We should play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Estragon forgot everything that happened the day before. He forgot all about Pozzo and Lucky. He forgot that he wanted to hang himself from a tree. He forgot about his boots. And yeah, just forgets absolutely everything. Um, so they're kind of just like talking back and forth about their questions. Um, because Vladimir is like, do you remember this from yesterday? And <laughs> then Estragon, no, and then Estragon's like, no. And that happens for the entire, the entire questions. Mm. Um, so they're done talking, decide to pick another topic. Vladimir finds Lucky's hat and tries it on. They're trading hats for a while. Then they decide to like act as Pozzo and Lucky. Um, Estragon leaves only to immediately return panting and says that they are coming. Um, Vladimir thinks that it must be Godot who's coming to save them. So he becomes afraid and tries to hide behind the tree. The conversation then degenerates into abusive phrases. Estragon says stuff like, that's the idea, let's abuse each other. And they continue to hurl insults at one another until Estragon calls Vladimir a critic. They embrace and continue waiting. Pozzo and Lucky then enter, but this time Pozzo is blind and Lucky is mute. Pozzo and Lucky are just the fun parts of this play. They're just fun. Um, Lucky stops when he sees the two men, and Pozzo crashes into him and they both fall helplessly into a heap on the ground. Vladimir is overjoyed that the reinforcements have arrived to help with the waiting, and Estragon again thinks that Godot has arrived. Vladimir and Estragon then discuss the merits of helping Pozzo get off the ground where he's fallen. When Vladimir asks how many other men spend their time waiting, Estragon replies that it is billions. Pozzo is in desperation and offers to pay for help by offering a hundred francs. 
think that's just like a currency. I don't know. Well, Estragon says that is not enough. So 100 francs was not enough, whatever that is. Um, Vladimir does not want to pick up Pozzo because then he and Estragon will be all alone again. But he goes over. Estragon decides to leave, but then decides to stay. And then while helping Pozzo, both Vladimir and Estragon fall up and fall and cannot get up. Pozzo talks again and Vladimir kicks him violently to make him shut up. Vladimir and Estragon both get up and Pozzo resumes calling for help. They go up and help him up and Pozzo asks who they are and what time it is. They simply cannot answer the questions. Estragon grows to wake up lucky. He kicks him and starts hurling a... David what is Frank's? Hey, David. Okay, so Frank's is a Swiss currency, apparently, oh. according to Google. And 100 francs is $150. Okay, that was not enough. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's kind of fair. To do what? You're not listening, David. Yeah. I was busy Googling Franks. <laughs> but also, that could have changed over time. Like, currency rate They basically exchange just want to help Pozzo. $150 is yeah. something they could help Pozzo. Not in Pozzo's eyes. <laughs> okay. It was probably a different number to 150 It's probably changed since then. Probably. But that's the current exchange rate. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Back then, I don't Back know. Back then, who knows? Um, so then Vladimir asks Pozzo to make Lucky dance or think for them again. Pozzo tells them that Lucky is mute. But when Vladimir asks since when, Pozzo gets into a rage. Everyone just forgets what happened yesterday. He tells them to stop harassing him with their time questions since he has no notion of it. He then helps Lucky up and they leave. Vladimir reflects on the fact that there will be no truth and that tomorrow he will know nothing of what has just passed. There is no way of confirming his memory since Estragon always seems to forget everything that happens to him. So oh. basically, stuff happens and Vladimir like has no one validating what happened. So he feels like he's going crazy. So in a weird way, it's like almost like an unintentional gaslight. Like Yeah, but like, Estragon just doesn't remember. Because he doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah. So like then he's so then uh, Vladimir is then questioning Yeah. Well, and Am I crazy? Yeah. For thinking those mm. things happen. And because Vladimir's so logical, he's like, I'm pretty sure it happened. Like but also. And Estragon's like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't help you. And that would be so frustrating if you were just spending mm. day after day with someone and they forgot every like everything all the what's time. The point? <laughs> Which is why they exactly. repeat a lot of things. It's very <laughs> yeah, there's no <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. Um the boy then arrives again, but does not remember meeting Estragon or Vladimir. The boy doesn't remember either. And he's like, this is my first time meeting you. And I remember when I studied the play. Double gaslight. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I studied the play. Because in the first act, the boy's like, this is my first time meeting you. I'm like, were they actually, like, has there been days before this day? I think that's what it We don't know. Uh, well, uh, yeah. We don't know. But because I think at the start, they meet. But you're like, maybe you just met again. You didn't know that you've I, already met. I think so. Yeah. Like, I think so. Like, I think this mm. is, th that's the point. The point of the play is, like. When did it start? When did it, well, the, the, the point is, it never ends. Yeah, It ever. keeps going. Godo yeah. never comes. No. Uh, the conversation is identical from the day before. That Mr. Godo once again will not be able to come, but will be sure to try and arrive tomorrow. Vladimir demands that the boy be sure to tell him that he saw him. And he yells, you're sure you saw me? You won't come and tell me tomorrow that you never saw me. Because Vladimir is like, I swear I saw this guy yesterday. He's the only logical one in this whole play. And everyone is like, no, he really is being gaslit by everyone. Mm. Um, so the two bums are like, we're going to leave. We can't go far because we need to wait for Godo. So they look at the train contemplate hanging themselves. Estragon takes off his belt, but it breaks when they pull on it. I remember studying that. What? Just completely breaks. He couldn't hang himself. 
Um, his trousers fall down and Vladimir says that they will hang themselves tomorrow unless Gotto comes to save them. He tells Estragon to put on his trousers and they decide to leave again, but do not move. Um, and that's the end of the play. That's it. That's, that's the play. The um, that, yeah, so there's a lot that happens, but essentially, if you want like a really brief summary, it's basically Estragon and Vladimir waiting for Godot, waiting for this man that never arrives, and they're just repeating things over and over. Filling time yeah. and having interactions with the extra characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, it quite interesting. And I know like that kind of sounds like it would be boring. Yeah. And to it's some really it not. might be, but it's it's yeah, it's kind of there's no real climax or building or like rising action or anything like that, but at the same time you're drawn from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And it doesn't it's not like it's engaging. Yeah. And it's uh it's v- I think the play does well for you to like have that moment of oh oh we're repeating us oh I see I feel like you just had that conversation you just <laughs> had that like mm. like a not like a oh I understand like everything but oh like this is mm. gonna repeat this <laughs> is gonna, like enough yeah. differences that like the differences make it so interesting mm-hmm. in the second act because you're like what yeah 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 like the whole lucky being mute in the second act yeah. after that like that crazy monologue that he has at the beginning with the thinking thinking cap thinking cap yeah yeah Which with the hat i i did that monologue once cute did you mm, it was nice <laughs> it was oh, nice <laughs> just one time <laughs> just one time no it's a wild monologue that monologue it takes is. a lot of work to do because it's like such a quick like and I love it. Yeah, because um, I could see you playing that character well. Yeah, I could too. It's kind of like just for the listeners' reference. It's kind of um, in the first act, Lucky is allowed that time to talk, and it's like all of his words just come out at once, and all of the thoughts that he could have had all just rush into his brain and out of his mouth all at once, and so it's like none of it makes sense but it all does make sense and it's all very well informed but actually it's completely illogical did did anyone else in school look at it as a look at those two characters as like a representation representation of class i mean of course it was just an interpretation but that's what we looked we probably at did it but i don't remember that i don't remember see mine when i studied it in in school it wasn't like my class studied it we uh, yeah my teacher like opened up our cabinets full of plays and we had like a whole wall full of cabinets and he was like you can choose one or two or three plays <laughs> I thought from it was this keep cabinet going. or four or five, five. ten yeah, if you it really was, it was like you can pick one two or three of these plays any of them mm. and so i picked waiting for godot but it was like i was the only one doing waiting for godot and it was like everyone was doing oh so you weren't plays. even like like, it wasn't in your curriculum. Like, you just chose no, it. No, I just chose Waiting for Godot. Chosen one. <laughs> See, Positive Unlucky, when I studied it, was more just about the human condition and, like, having, like, other people impact your little bubble mm. in life. Yeah, see, I talked about human... Con- uh, like, I looked into the human condition more because I was, like, relating it to Neverland and Peter Pan and stuff and being like... Mm. Yeah. 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 So, style of the play, uh, we've mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Gothic. No, okay. <laughs> no, it's absurd. Yeah, it's got that like theatre of the absurd vibe. But also, 
kind of postmodern. Yeah, oh no, yeah, like definitely postmodern. Postmodernism was sort of arising ar- after World War Two, when the play was written, and a shift from the modernist ideals of like we're creating new forms and new things and experimenting with things that haven't been done to the postmodern we're going to take old forms and old styles and combine them to make something different yeah which is kind of what what the play does like it has that absurd element but it's also like really like like it's got like existentialism and slapstick and like just a whole bunch of little bits and inspiration from like um Jean Racine and places like and just all over the place. Yeah, it's really it I think this next question is interesting. What are the main overarching themes? Whatever you want, really. I mean not what you want, but like there are themes, existentialism all that, but like in terms of what you can take away from it, it's very much up to yeah, the viewer. I think definitely. the reason it is. Oh, did we say tragic comedy? I wanted to talk about that next. Sorry. Actually, yeah, I have to say about that. Yeah, I was going to say the reason I think maybe it is like taken so much as a, a commentary on religion is because um, Samuel himself became agnostic. Like mm. he was raised in religion, yeah. and then. I guess decided like there wasn't a point to it, and so I think a lot of people think he, it was his like. This was part of him saying like. I guess when you forgot, I would link to agnostic views, very much like maybe something, but like, will we see? We, we I don't know. We don't know. Like we don't like. There's no way to know. I'm like, are we going to be waiting forever, or is this pointless, or is it, yeah. or is something eventually going to come? We don't know. Is God a God? Good point. I remember, so with the existentialism, one of the things that like, got me hooked on this before I even read it was, like, we were doing, like, the pre-Waiting for Godot, like, this is what the play's going to be about. And it was in grade 10, and my teacher was like, we're going to take a quiz about existentialism. And you just answered, like, a bunch of questions, and it said, like, whether you were an existentialist or not. And I just remember my mind being blown. Like, I, like, did this quiz and was like, that concept is so, like, interesting to me. And, like... I made a few people I know take the quiz because I was like, I think you're an existentialist. <laughs> and, like, I was in like, grade 10. You were like, and I was like going out to my friends at break being like, I would like you to take I this quiz. I would like quiz. you to know. <laughs> I literally did. And I was like, I need you to take this. Like, And they were like, what's, I was like, I don't even know. I haven't read the play yet. But I was like, this. Like, I was like, that concept is so cool. And then studying it, I just, I don't know, I just connected to this play. And like, I guess the reason that I haven't tattooed isn't because I'm like, oh, it's such a funny play. Just, just the way that the themes, because yeah, it is a very open theme to play, but it's just so symbolic of life, and like mm. we don't really know what's happening tomorrow. <laughs> like we don't. True. And I love that concept. I, it might be sad or ha- that's another thing. Drama, comedy, drama, tragic, tragic comedy, tragic comedy. And a lot of people think it's really funny. I thought it was really sad back in school. And then I found it funny, and then I found it sad, and then I found it funny. But a lot of people are just like, it's a comedy. It's funny. I thought it was no, so it's sad. It's both. Definitely. Yeah. Like, the themes are very dark. Uh, like the Or, like, the, and it's the like thoughts it provokes are yeah. very dark. But the actual, I guess, actions and, like, um, like the actual, like, dialogue and all that, like, the what ha- what's happening is quite 
hilarious in the moment. Or can be. I don't know. It depends, what, it depends how you perform it. But, yeah. And for a while I thought about it, like, maybe it's like there's all these, like, dark thoughts and dark things happening, but it's like life where you kind of disguise it through happy little events in life. Through Even comedy. though there's, like, this overarching, like, what is going to happen. You kind of just get through your days with those little comedy bits. Exactly. You laugh at yeah. life. So I think it's what you take from the play that makes it good or not. Yeah. Not that's the, the whole thing with like, itself, really. That's the whole thing with, like, death of the author. Like, the author may think one thing about their work, but they can't control what audiences will, how, like, or how they will receive it. So, which is really interesting. Were the characters and plot well developed? Um, I did feel like that's a talk hard... About things? Huh? Did we ever talk about things? Yeah, yeah we just did. We spoke that about was not themes. No, we spoke about it at the start. Oh, okay. Well, what oh, other themes? We talked about genres at the start. No, we spoke about existentialism, human condition, friendship is another theme. Look, maybe we did. I don't know. I don't Companionship, uh, friendship. Yeah. Um, existentialism, absurdism, the human condition. That's <laughs> I'm just okay. listing them off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. Were the characters and plot well developed? I think this is an in- interesting one to answer because it's not really. I mean, yes, the char- like. There's no plot. I mean, there is a plot, but also it's not. Do you know? Do you, do mm. do you see really how a character arc? And there's like no a like fall arc. There's no like. Um, no. The characters do have their traits. Like Vladimir is the more serious one, and stuff like that. But the. It feels intentionally vague. Yes, exactly. It's like it's developed to the point that it was meant to be developed to. It's not your traditional development, but it works. I don't know if like individually, there's. I think their dynamic is well developed though. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, does the play flow well? Yeah. 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 It's one of those plays that I found like we talk about how watching a play makes it so much easier to read the play. For me, this was a play that I didn't watch or like I wasn't involved in a performance of before reading it. And I was able to read it so easily and was so invested and like just found it really engaging as a, as a piece of literature. I would agree with that. Like I, I, I don't, didn't find it hard to read. I was intrigued and yeah. And I didn't need, I haven't necessarily seen, I've watched clips of that. There's a, if you really want to like, see the play, there is like a filmed version yeah, on youtube it. i've seen clips from it um i watched clips from it in school it's actually really well it done is. i think i like it's very i enjoyed it entertaining but yeah it, i still same here <laughs> liked reading it oh no loved reading it yeah <laughs> no yeah i did find it really easy to read just as like a just reading read it multiple times yeah what are you guys like favorite parts of the play i guess like something that Something that you take away from it personally, the one of the like a moment. Things. Yeah, or one of the mo- big moments that you take away from it I personally. Think my favorite moment is Lucky's monologue in Act One. I just really like that. Oh, well, Mandy, uh, are you so thinking hard. of one? Yeah, yeah, that's really uh, okay. hard for me. It's one of my favorite plays. I'll go. I weirdly, in like a dark way, like the ending a lot. Mm. I think it's very thought provoking. The fact that yeah. he doesn't come, and I love the repetition because it's so sad um, like, and so like oh but like 
it's also very thought provoking, which is what I love about it. Mm. Um, so yeah, so like the ending is one of my favorite parts. I almost don't want to say my favorite part because I kept being like, that's it. And then I was like, that cannot be my favorite part. Highlights. Give us like rundown. Mm, of oh your no, highlights. like I, uh, there's a lot, but the scene where they always hang themselves, not in like in a really, it, it's dark and it's not like my favorite part, like haha funny, but like in like a, they were like, huh. Maybe that's it. And then they just instantly were like, nah. And like it just, uh, that, I just remember that scene making me think a lot. And it does. Just, it's very relevant still for people with mental illnesses, unfortunately. Um, but they were just like, this is the easy way out. Why don't we just do this? And, and then it wasn't the easy way out anymore because they couldn't do it. Like, they tried multiple times throughout the play, and it couldn't happen. They're like, oh, this isn't the easy way. We're just going to continue doing this. Yeah. And live in life. And it just, yeah. I, it just, yeah. <laughs> I like that part. Yeah. I think it was well done. Yeah. Well, anyway, this this one's been a bit of a doozy. We've gone on a lot of tangents. We've gone for <laughs> quite a while. <laughs> um, so, we might begin to wrap it up now <laughs> before we – we could talk about this play for – it's like – that's the thing about this play. You could talk about it for hours and hours and hours. I think that's the bit – like, that. that's the big thing about this play is, like, n- like not to say that other plays you can't, but, like, sometimes you're like, oh, that was a nice story. Mm, like it's very open to discussion. Like I said, this one is, like, very, like – what do you think about this? And, oh, I had a completely different interpretation here. And so it, like, just provokes conversations, which is what's really mm. cool about it. Alrighty, this has been our take on Waiting for Godot. We hope to see you next week. And this has been Haley, Maddie, and David. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to press play. Bye. Bye. Bye.